Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast on Coast to Coast Football. I am Scott Kennedy. I'm your host. I am in Atlanta. This guy over here is Nick Kendall. He is my co-host. He is in Seattle. That's why we are Coast to Coast. And... um. We want to get into a bunch of things today. We're going to start with the Atlanta Falcons. And one of the things we want to talk about is some of the storylines coming in OTAs. They started yesterday. So some of the keys, what are some of the the key factors that we're looking for coming into and coming out of OTAs? Uh, And then also ESPN went and listed the projected 2024 NFL draft order. So we want to to pop in on that too and maybe talk about who's not there is uh, is one of the more interesting things as well. So Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I am doing pretty well. It looks like the weather's starting to pick back up and be a little nicer again. We had the crazy summer spell there for a bit, and then it got down to like high of 50. Uh, so the weather's been a little bit erratic, but uh, trudging towards nicer weather again and holding out hope. I don't know. Some people do rain dances. We probably need to do a rain dance, but uh, <laughs> I'm hold- I'm doing a nice weather dance because I'll be backpacking in Olympic next Monday through Wednesday, and it would be miserable to be, you know, 30 miles in the back country, nowhere to really dry off and it's 38 degrees and raining. So holding out hope the weather keeps looking better and better on the forecast, but I won't trust it until it's like Friday night. Yeah. We, we worry more about 98 down here than, than yeah. 38, but the rain with the lightning, I uh, it's, it's baseball season. It's full on mm-hmm. baseball season now. So just hoping for some, some good weather as well. Uh, just a reminder for those of you listening after the fact, we are live uh, every Monday at 9 a.m. and every Wednesday at 9 a.m. as well. On YouTube, you can find us at youtube.com slash Scott Kennedy or on Facebook at uh, All Fal- Atlanta Falcons fans on All Falcons is also another good place to check us out live. If you want to join the conversation like Michael Rankio has, um, 
Ron Keo. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick on the Falcons podcast. Thanks for getting up earlier with us, Michael. We appreciate you being here. Uh, Alan says, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning as well to you. And Roger Cook, he's over there in the afternoon. Already hit me up on Twitter. He's a little worried about the lack of news about Kyle Pitts. He says, uh, you know, that it's been kind of quiet. And I said, Roderick, I think it's supposed to be quiet. And I guess there was a podcast, Nick. I was just kind of perusing that uh, that Arthur Smith was a guest on. And he said that that Kyle was dealing with some things last year. And that's all he said. And that's all we expect him to say. That maybe held him back a little bit. And he expects Kyle Pitts to have a big year this year. Remember, this kid started the season at 21 years old last year. Um, he's still a young buck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, God, he's unbelievably talented you talk about it his ability to get vertical quickly uh came out extremely young and tight ends typically take a while wasn't really the most developed player coming out of florida given what florida has been offensively over the last few seasons uh, i guess gosh since urban meyer left even so yeah i'm uh i would be excited for kyle pitts this season but hit the brakes as well. I am curious though. I did not hear about Arthur Smith talking about that. He was dealing with some things last season. So yeah, I'll have to sounds- check it out. I just, it was kind of a summary. So I'll have to check out that pod. And then when I find it, I'll share it with you. Cause I know you like to listen to your pods on 10 speed, like, like speedy Gonzalez. So mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll check, check that to you. That's, that's a little out of character for Arthur Smith to say something like that. But uh, yeah. it did say he was dealing with quote, some things and expects him to have a big year. I think even a, a a duplication of his rookie season with some touchdowns would be a big year. You know, he gets 1050 in yards and seven, eight touchdowns. That's a pretty good season for a, for, for Kyle Pitts. Don't you think? Oh yeah. And tight ends a lot like sack or excuse me, touchdowns a lot like sacks can be pretty fluky year to year, but the targets, the uh, depth per target, the receptions, et cetera, et cetera, those tend to be more reliable. And we saw him get, a lot of targets last season. Now, a lot of them were not catchable, um, mm-hmm. deemed catchable, but uh, that shows that they're going to scheme him up. They're going to get him the ball, and hopefully he'll be healthy and they can get him going because he has a chance to be one of the premier skill players in the NFL, not just yeah. you know in the AFC, NFC South, not just on the Falcons, one of the best players, but like the size, the athleticism, his versatility. He could, he could be special. Um, and right now, you know, we can look back on that pick in hindsight and be like, uh, maybe Kyle Pitts was – you should have gone a different way with that fourth overall pick. Jamar Chase has been arguably the best wide receiver in football. Micah Parsons, Patrick Sertan, Rashawn Slater. I mean, we can go on and on, but Kyle Pitts is still exceedingly young and unbelievably talented. Just hope he can get healthy and whatever he's dealing with elsewise is uh, good to go. Cause that makes me worried about him. You know, the person, cause right. it's a tough game. A lot of criticism. It's life could be rough out there. Yeah. And, and like I said, he, he, he started his first football game. He was 20. Uh, uh, in the NFL. I think his birthday is like mid-September. So he he opening day, he was a 20-year-old rookie. He's he's a pup um, mm-hmm. out there. One of the few kids who are actually on time these days when they graduated high school um, instead of being holdbacks. Um, Jeremy Sean coming in says, morning, boys. Have a great show as usual. Appreciate that, Jeremy. Zach Powers in here. He says, good morning. Good morning. Um, throwing up the coffee. So cheers. Got some lion coffee from uh, from Patrick Wilty. He's friend of the friend of the programs. God. He sends Nick and I and keeps us well caffeinated. So check out lioncoffee.com if you don't mind. And I'm going to take a sip. God, yeah. Lion Coffee. Thanks so much. Patrick sent out a bunch. Drinking some macadamia and vanilla, vanilla today. I would say that's probably their flagship because vanilla and macadamians are one of the key crops in Hawaii. So locally produced along with the Kona beans. Hard to beat. <laughs> really there hard to go. beat. 
Uh, that was my first sip actually today. So I'm, I'm running on uh, running on like leftovers from, from yesterday, leftover <laughs> caffeine fumes. Uh, Ethan coming over from across the pond as well. The DWI guy says, good morning, gents. Good morning to you, Ethan. Appreciate you being here. Chris Walker over on Facebook. Good morning, everyone. Kevin Fitzpatrick on Facebook as well. Good morning. Uh, Ryan Adonis, thanks for being here. The Red Swarm. That feels like a newer name, but I feel like I recognize this picture. So maybe not. Well, appreciate you being here, though. This is good morning, fellas. Uh, and Alan says he thinks it was a uh, it was on a podcast with Chris Long. I saw it this morning, so I will check it out. And then uh, Red Swarm says, I'm an avid Falcons fan, and it looked to me like Kyle Pitt's body language showed frustration that Mario didn't was getting the ball to him. Well, that and facing triple teams. You know, even, what do you have, one touchdown his rookie season? Um, maybe two. I thought it was just one. He scored that one in London. You know, that was the way we remember it. And you'd watch some all 22, and they'd get in the red zone, and you'd, they'd have three guys. Last year, three guys on Kyle Pitts. Um and they would get pressure with two. That was Matt Ryan. That was the year he had a thousand yards when Matt Ryan was there and the Falcons offensive line was so questionable. Last year, the offensive line paid better. The quarterback play wasn't as good as far as passing goes. So hopefully you get all of that going in the same direction um, this season. And you can get less attention around Kyle Pitts because you've got more weapons somewhere else. I'm positive there's better offensive line play than there was his rookie season. Yeah. And hopefully the quarterback play should be improved over what he had to deal with last year with Mariota, uh, with Mariota. Cause he didn't play with Ritter. Ritter wasn't, uh, he was hurt when Ritter came in the last four games. Yeah. I mean, they're just situationally speaking. I think the biggest difference will be, uh, B. John Robinson. I mean, he just having a running back of that caliber that opposing teams have to account for, structurally and schematically every single play what you're going to see on the back end in terms of coverages in terms of loaded boxes the personnel on the field it's going to make a night and day difference uh for him you're going to see in the era of that we're in right now of match quarters defense two deep safeties pretty much playing umbrella coverage on the back end B. John robinson and the falcons offensive line and arthur smith's uh, run game scheme it's going to make teams question that. It's going to be a little bit different. So the opportunity out there is going to be great. I do wish he still had an absolute burner type on this defense to make things even a little bit more uh, difficult for opposing defenses. But you have some size and deep threat still. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts are as good of a young one-two receiving duo as there is in the NFL uh, right now. They better be two top ten picks. But yeah, uh, I mean that's why you invested in them yes. for sure. You're hoping they're going to be those guys. And you know why they may not have you know. 10, 300 meter speed, you mentioned it. They've got the size and catch radius that if, if I'm lined up outside and I see single coverage, you, you better be rolling safeties back that way because they, they'll they'll be able to outmuscle most cornerbacks, mm -hmm. if not all. Kyle Pitts for sure, and Drake London, is, he's a pretty big guy too. Yeah. Um, Storylines for this team going into, coming out of OTAs as we head into the season. I know uh, I'll take one first just to let you think about it for a second, Nick. Um, okay. one of the things I'm interested in is how they plan on using Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier. You know, can you get them both on the field at the same time? Um, cause evidently one of the bullet points on here as well was Bijan Robinson will get some of that slash role like Cordell Patterson has in the past. Um, then you can get them both on the field at the same time. So I'm interested to see how they get. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 500 touches between them. I think that makes 
a lot of sense mm-hmm. for the course of the year. Tyler Algier ain't going anywhere, folks. You know, he was he was really good last year and it wasn't a fluke. You know, it wasn't John Settle. This is this, this goes back the way back machine. He was the first undrafted free agent to rush for a thousand yards in the NFL, Nick. John Settle kind of comes out of nowhere and then kind of fades off into the distance pretty quickly. Tyler Algier is here to stay. He's he's a really good player, and people are kind of it's nice that people aren't talking about him. You know, like, oh, B. John Robinson and, and Kyle Pitts and Drake London and Cordell Patterson. Yeah, that Tyler Algier guy's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know I was a giant Tyler Algier fan uh, coming out of the draft. Good I, shout. Yeah, I mean, just banging on the table, you know, the ability to be strong with the football and break tackles with good vision and patience and balance plays at the next level. So uh, he plays to his skill set, too. That's one of the things that drove me nuts about Royce Freeman trying to kick everything outside. Like, listen, you are a thick running back. Bounce somebody off, you know, run run between the tackles. But uh, yeah, Tyler Algier is not going anywhere either. And that's that's good because running backs are a position that, you know, you get a little turf toe or a bruise or something and you're not as effective. But this is a team that they don't want to be totally relying on Bijan Robinson to be their run game, but they want him to amplify their run game. So having a good running back, too, is going to make a heck of a difference for them. So what do you what do you think? What are some of the things that you're looking for from this team? You know, as you as you see with all of these new players, um, Marcus Mariota is there. I mean, not Marcus Mariota. Jesus, Scott. Desmond Ritter is there. Um, you know, what are what are some of the storylines that you're looking forward to coming out of OTAs? I'm looking forward to Desmond Ritter looking competent and confident in what he's doing. You know, getting guys in and out of the huddle quickly, looking like he is has knows what he's doing in and out of his decisions and breaks and hitting guys in stride. Not kind of that delayed, am I trusting what I'm seeing situation there? Not uh, throwing guys open, not seeing them open and then throwing. So that's something that throwing against air can be tough, but especially when you're not having the pass rush bearing down on you, but still the comfort comfortability there. We're not going to see him, you know, flash crazy tools or anything or unbelievable, you know, throws down the field. That's one. I'm also looking forward to seeing if any chemistry develops between him and the others at wide receiver. Uh, so is it going, who's going to be that security blanket, that guy that's getting all the reps early that starting to earn Desmond Ritter's trust because, that's something that this at this point in the process, I actually do think matters uh, because you can see who where he wants to go with the ball, especially with Cal Pitts uh, out right now. Ball's got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Who's emerging there that uh, Desmond Ritter can trust that is starting to uh, make way and show out? I think I counted this leads into one of my storylines is who's going to emerge as the wide receivers. I think I counted there's 12 wide receivers on the roster right now. Uh that may go down to six. You know, there's there's been a lot of guys signed, um, including recently former. Uh, let me. I've, I've only had to copy and paste his name. Arcega Whiteside, um, mm-hmm. former Fal- the the Falcon signed former Philadelphia Eagles. He actually started five games. Uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Yep, I got that right. Mm-hmm. Um, second round pick of the Eagles in 2019 out of Stanford. 6'2", 225 pounds. Good size. So he is there also trying to earn a spot. I know it was just quick glimpses and it was just a two minute highlight reel and it was a highlight reel, but I tell you one guy who caught my attention. Well, first off, the guy that caught my attention the most was just standing there on the sidelines because Calais Campbell is huge, huge. What a difference he's going to make lining up next to Grady Jarrett on one side of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, what an absolute unit. What is he? 6'8", 300 and something pounds. I mean, he's like been... like Shaq out there. Yeah. He's... 
God, he's been one of my favorites for a while. I mean, he's got that big like doughboy face too. You know, little cheeseburger pops in that uh, helmet, but he's he's ripped too. Just you know, a little bit of a a rounder face. But yeah, what a great player! Been one of my favorite players for a bit. I gotta tell you, I was devastated um, when he picked the Jacksonville Jaguars over the Broncos in 2016. I mean, he's a Denver local as well. One of the few players to make it big in the NFL, playing high school football out of Denver. Mm as well um and pick the jags because his wife wanted to live somewhere warmer and that thing called uh, no income tax in florida compared to denver but i digress you know his, his life and they heated pretty well in jacksonville too so love clayus campbell been one of the great players for a while and also a huge leader for that team i'm excited to see him how much are we going to see from him in otas i mean this is not his first rodeo they could sit him out all of otas right, but he is there you know yes. i don't know how much he's going to do but he is there yeah he could set out everything. He set out preseason. I would not care one bit. But when you're going to see him on the field, it's going to be good to see him, and you're going to be happy to see him. And it's going to be pretty funny to see him lined up next to uh, Grady Jarrett, as you mentioned. Oh, yeah, it'll be like a little brother out there. It'll be fun to see. It'll look a little strange. You know, Grady's six foot, six one, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Grady's awfully good himself. Uh, mm-hmm. But even just being able to hold an edge. You know, Calais Campbell out there just being immovable will help. And uh, Jamal coming in says, Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Judy, as well. Welcome, Judy. Thank you for being here as well. 100 Realist, good morning. Kevin Mapp coming in also. Good morning, Kevin. And uh, like I said, I, I triggered some folks with the uh, the Wayback Machine. They're like, John Settle. Oh, yeah. I did a Google search on Settle. I think he ended up the running backs coach at Kentucky or something at one point. So he is, he's still in football. Um, and I think he's in college football, but yeah, he was, um, folk hero. That was back in the eighties when the Falcons couldn't win a game, but at least they could run the ball. You know, you had William Andrews, Gerald Riggs, then it went on to John Settle. They had thousand yard rushers every single year. Um, and then would, you know, go five and 11. Nick, it's, it's starting to work now where I almost wanted to say five and 12. So my brain is starting to make that transition finally to, uh, to 17 games. The reason why I mentioned Calais Campbell is because who he was standing next to was a player that, to me, in just I know it's it's quick, but was flashing was Shanu Smith, the tight end. I was like, who's this? Who's this number eighty one? I'm like, I don't remember. I don't remember him. There's so many new faces there. That's why I put when I put the highlights up on all Falcons, I put the roster on there too. I'm like, you're not going to know all of these guys by by number anymore. Jonu Smith looked good. Um, you know, we we aren't really talking about him enough, but I think he can be the blocking tight end. He can be a he can be a a tight end. He can be an an actual tight end where Kyle Pitts is a pass catching tight end who isn't going to be counted on to do a whole lot of the dirty work in the trenches. Jonu Smith can do that, and he has looked he looked really good catching the ball. So another one of those storylines on offense for me, Nick. Yeah, sorry, and also my wife put in laundry, and I don't know if you can hear it beeping in the background and everything, so I'm trying to mute myself in between reps here. Um, but yeah, no, John Smith, he was a very low-budget uh, move to bring in the season. Would it cost, like a seventh-round pick or something? Uh, it cost some cap space, though. Um, cap space, yeah. They the, the Titans picked up a good chunk of, I think they picked up some of his money, but it cost some cap space, but it was an easy trade to uh, yeah. the Patriots. Yes, from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, he signed a big deal from Tennessee to go to the Patriots. A lot of people were scratching their heads. They did that offseason where they paid 
Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, massive contracts. I'm like, oh man, they're trying to replicate Gronk and Hernandez without Gronk and Hernandez. <laughs> uh, but obviously, but uh, yeah, no, Johnny Smith, if he can come in and be your tight end too, uh, that's fine. I am curious to see what his usage would be because I recall Johnny Smith being much more of a flex tight end still out there coming out of, I want to say he came out of Florida International. I can't recall for sure coming out of college. Um, he was in that draft with, I think, Gerald Everett was another one. It was like a draft with like a bunch of really good small school tight ends drafted in like rounds three through five. Uh, but I still would probably like somebody for that team that has a little bit more blocking ability that you could further un- uh, detach Kyle Pitts from the line of scrimmage if you wanted to or from inline aspects. But John Smith, another guy, he can line up at H-back. He can do a little bit of stuff for you. Another option in the pass game. And we know that Arthur Smith, Loves those tight ends and how they can manipulate opposing teams and how that feeds into the pass game, the waggle game, you know, play action and the run game. So I'm excited about Jonathan Smith. I will say I've been counting him out because he was so bad in New England that I need to see it to believe it. Uh, but he's back with Arthur Smith, who coached him in Tennessee for a while. Maybe he could step up and uh, become a, a pretty big contributor for this team. I don't remember who the guy was, but <clears throat> Barry Sanders had a designated touchdown score. Barry Sanders, the knock on him was he didn't score a ton of touchdowns. You know, he'd just rush for 2,000 yards on six yards per carry. Johnny Smith had eight touchdown catches on 41 receptions in 2020 with the Titans. He showed a nice steady progression. You're right. He was a third-round pick by the Titans out of Florida International. <laughs> he spent four years with the Titans, and his reception numbers went from 18 to 20 to 35 to 41. His touchdown numbers went 2, 3, 3, 8. And then he only scored one touchdown in two years for the Patriots. So, you know, maybe he can be that guy for uh, Barry Sanders. I don't remember who it was. Zach Crockett, maybe, that mm-hmm. was always punching it in. Uh, you know, he was always your fantasy guy because Barry Sanders would have 150 yards and no touchdowns, and Crockett would have three touchdowns for the Lions. Uh, Gary Palmer, he's our guy, though. He says, good morning, Scott and Nick. Appreciate you being here. And, and Ryan Adonis is just commenting on, and it's not even just the defensive line. Um, Jeff Akuda is big. Um Jesse Bates is good size. Um, the uh, Caden Ellis, 6'4". Um, there's Loren- Lorenzo Carter is back. He says a lot of good size on this team now. Bryce Young is going to think he's in outer space with the height he's going to see in front of him. Lots of good money put into defense, Nick, mm-hmm. which is another thing that we want to see in OTAs is how are some of these guys. Obviously, Clayus Campbell probably won't be 100% go. Um, you know, the OG Cordell Patterson probably isn't even there. Um, but how quickly can Ryan Nielsen, new defensive coordinator, start gelling some of these pieces, especially well, it's, it's across all levels, Nick. It's it's defense, it's defensive line, middle inside linebackers, edge, uh, and secondary, lots of new faces. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be hard because a lot of the areas that they added a lot of talent was on the defensive front. And early on, you know, especially with the run game, you're not really seeing that as much. You'll get some one-on-one opportunities, no doubt, for uh, some of these young pass rushers. And I'm curious about Malone and Ebiketti. It's Malone, right? I keep forgetting the third-round pick from Western yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, but you got the Malone right. You always called him Doug. It's D'Angelo. The Malone. That's why I didn't say the first name. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure Malone. Malone. That's okay. okay. I went on a Bears podcast and was talking about their guy out of and I was showing D'Angelo Malone highlights. I'm like, look at this twitch on this guy. I'm like, that's the wrong guy. It's the mm-hmm. wrong guy. They took another slender edge, smaller mm-hmm. school, super, um, super twitchy. And I, I don't remember who it was, but um, 
yeah, I've made that mistake too. So trying to yeah. make up for it. But yeah, Malone, third round pick. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about that uh, on the Broncos with um, all I can think of is Nick Bonanucci. What's his Benito. Thank you, Nick Benito. Um, and how the expectations were kind of low for him. Well, Malone, D'Angelo Malone was taken just a few picks later and he didn't play that much because a third round edge is a developmental guy. You don't, you're not, if they were ready to play right away, they would have been taken in the first round. So, um, lots of moving pieces and Keith has a question coming in here. So Scott, how, how can you defend or can you defend? I'm not sure which one you meant on this. How can you defend Kyle Pitts only having three TDs in his NFL career? Um, Keith, you may have just joined us. So welcome. Uh, we just talked about that a, a, a few minutes ago when we were talking about Kyle Pitts poised to have a big season. He only had one touchdown his first year with, uh, with the Falcons, despite having a thousand yards. And that was basically because he was going to have to break one and break one deep. And Matt Ryan wasn't exactly known for beating defenses vertically. Why do I say that? It's because uh, we drew up a, I actually did this on a pod one time against the 49ers and showed the, the, the entire play. It was uh, they, they got stuffed on first down and then on second down, it's second and five from the five second goal from the five. Matt Ryan drops back to pass. There's three guys on Kyle Pitts. The two, the two um, interior defensive linemen drop back into a zone. So they're covering right at the goal line. They use their two edge guys to rush. So they dropped nine into coverage and had two rushing. And guess what? Those two guys got there without really much hesitation. So I can get pressure with two and drop nine. It's going to be really difficult in the red zone. Mm-hmm. So because Bijan Robinson, the emergence of Drake London, Cordero Patterson for a full season, and hopefully better. And then when you move to the next year, Marcus Marietta wasn't a very good quarterback. Yeah. Uh, so that's part of it. Also part also, of it was the run game was so effective that the opportunities, why would you go away from what's working? Uh, you have Kyle Pitts out there, but if you can punch them in the mouth and not have to put the ball in the air, uh, was it Woody Hayes that said that three things got to happen when you pass the, I might be mixing up my, yeah, I yeah. might be mixing up my big 10 coach. It could have been, uh, I think it was it's probably Woody Hayes or Schembechler. Yeah. I think it was Woody Hayes that said, there are three things that happen when you pass the ball and two of them are bad in the red zone. That even becomes more amplified because yeah. you're having a chance to take points off the board. Just, uh, I'm reliving Broncos in the red zone on third down with Russell Wilson against the Colts. And he throws a absolute stinker. And if they would have kicked that field goal, they'd have gone up by six and, probably won that game, but instead he throws a red zone interception. So the opportunities are not as high because they didn't trust the quarterback. They didn't trust the weapons and you had a really good run game infrastructure going on. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, there's so there's there's lots of factors now, but all the thing is all of that factors into why I said it wasn't necessarily a great pick to take a tight end number four overall because you weren't really ready to use them. You weren't in, and that's fine. We didn't really know at the time that Julio Jones wanted out, so you were looking at a long term replacement for Julio Jones. But when all of the national media started calling that a win now pick, I about lost my mind. Um, I'm like, no, this is not a win now pick because this team, their offensive line is bad and their defensive line, their defense is terrible, period. And they've got a 37-year-old quarterback who is in transition. No, Kyle Pitts is not a win now move. Now, you've taken your lumps the last two years and now you've got a 22-year-old tight end who's still a freak of an athlete, okay? You're two years through his rookie contract, you still have questions at quarterback, but if Desmond Ritter can step up, which it, from all indications, the Falcons believe he can, then we're going to see more from Kyle Pitts this year, even more than what you got his rookie season, which was a thousand yards and just one touchdown. Even if it's 808, it would be a very good, um, it would be a very good season for him. Yeah. And just back to it. I said it earlier. Tight, uh, touchdowns can be pretty darn fickle um, year to year. They're volatile. Uh, they're like sacks. And if you have somebody who consistently gets a lot of them, that is incredible. But one year dip, as long as the other um, more predictive stats around that are good, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Now, if it's, you know, we're five years into it and he's consistently only getting three touchdowns, we might need to have a conversation. Uh, but right now, especially considering the the variables around Kyle Pitts and what the narrative, the story should be. Um, I'm not too worried about it. And Kevin comes in, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't use touchdowns to judge a receiver's worth of value. It's part of the equation, but again, volatile, fickle, uh, variable. Yeah. And we got used to watching Julio Jones, you know, Julio Jones had up 1500 yards and seven touchdowns. And one of the reasons was because they used him like a running back. You know, he'd have six catches for 80 yards and then come the red zone. He's on the sideline because he just got his ass kicked. Um, taking on, you know, three and four tacklers every play, getting the, the team down there. So um, that's one of the reasons we might be a little more biased having watched Julio not put up those huge touchdown numbers that that some uh, some of the other great receivers have. Now, we're about 30 minutes in, Nick. Um, like I said, the, the one of the big storylines for me is just how quickly Ryan Nielsen can start coordinating mm -hmm. this defense with all the new faces out there because there are a lot of new faces. Yeah. How quickly does Jesse Bates settle in? Uh, Jeff Akuda is a, a big part of this. So if you're looking at your back four of Richie Grant, Jeff Akuda, AJ Terrell, and Jesse Bates. Did I say Jesse Bates twice? Jeff Akuda. You can say Richie Grant. The four. Richie Grant, the two safeties, Richie Grant and Jesse Bates, and then uh, Terrell and Akuda. Um, that's on paper. That's a, a pretty good back four. Can you get them meshing together? Can you get a little pressure up front? Uh, and, and can your defense be show marked improvement? Because I don't think just a little bit of improvement for as much money as they put in, they need to be significantly better than they were yeah. the past few seasons. And one of the big, biggest storylines for me at OTAs for the Falcons is what does a look like? Uh, obviously the number three overall pick 
just three seasons ago was considered a pretty darn good uh, prospect coming out of Ohio State. Um, I loved the tape, big size, good athlete, but he's been a major disappointment uh, for Detroit so far. I'm curious to see what his overall usage will be because Detroit kind of gave up on him on the perimeter and said, you're still a good athlete and you're big and physical. Let's put you in the slot. And uh, I thought he looked a little bit better there uh, for Detroit. So maybe he does end up moving to the slot eventually if it doesn't work out outside. But he's probably one of the biggest storylines too, because if he can even just be a solid starter, what you gave up for him is that's a huge get. Uh, but uh, right now he's a massive question on this team, along with the secondary depth in general. That's one where if, you know, AJ Terrell misses some time or loses his form as we talk about variable and volatile, uh, the cornerback position specifically is extremely volatile year to year. That that's one that's could be the reason the defense implodes this year. Yeah. And, and getting more pressure from the system will help, will help the defensive backs significantly. Um, you know, instead of a perfect, perfect pass in the corner that, that, uh, it was the first week of the season. I think AJ Terrell got beat. I'm not, I don't remember who it was, um, but you know, just per a perfect pitch and catch. Nobody's stopping. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just you're, you're. It's not. You can't beat it. Happened to AJ a couple of times last year. Maybe Clayus Campbell knocks the ball down at the line of scrimmage instead. Um, maybe Taquan Graham knifes in. Maybe Caden Ellis comes right up the comes shooting up the gut. Um, maybe. Uh, Troy Anderson comes around, lines up in the, in the, as you call him, a mug, and then and then is able to to stunt around and, and knock the ball down. So a better pass rush because the pass rush for the Atlanta Falcons has been putrid. It was much improved and it was still awful last year. That's how bad it was in 2021. 2021 was ridiculous, like statistically impossibly bad. 22 was better, but still really bad. Mm -hmm. Let's get up to good, to an average pass rush and go from 28 to 45 sacks and the secondary is going to be much better all of a sudden. Yeah. I mean, synergy, right? We talk about that a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And if you don't have the guy horses up front, it's going to be hard for the secondary to make plays on the football. And if you don't have the guys in the back end, the teams are just going to quick pass you to death. So obviously some teams can't do that because their quarterback struggles with it. Uh, but most teams in the league, you know, they can pick your weakness on defense and then go to town on it. So you need to have complementary, not only just, you know, offense to defense, special teams, but within the own units uh, themselves. So should be better this year. Obviously we mentioned it on here a few times. Falcons are still missing that alpha, you know, that no doubt, like we don't need to scheme open pressure kind of guy on the defensive line. That would be really nice to get similar with my uh, Iowa Hawkeyes this year, looking at them. They got crazy depth on the defensive line, got some young, exciting players too, but I don't see them having a top 100 draft pick on that defensive line this season. And they typically do have that guy when they have elite defenses. That's kind of how I view the Falcons as well. They don't have that blue chip defensive lineman. That's going to be an all pro. Now I not to take away from Grady Jarrett. He's very good potential pro bowler this season, especially to have more help around him again. But is he, is he time. again, again, but at this point, time. but at this point in his career where he's at, and am I going to put him up there with the, uh, Dexter Lawrence's, the Quinnen Williams, the Jeffrey Simmons, you know, the, the tier one, a interior defensive lineman. I'm not going to, maybe that'll make me look silly. Now that he has more help around him. I'm hoping that he does. Cause I love Grady. I've loved him since coming out of Clemson. I screamed at the TV when the Broncos took Ty Sambrilo and Oh God, Jeff Hireman in that draft when I wanted Grady Jarrett more than anything. And he falls to the fifth round. Um, but God, I loved him coming out of Clemson, uh, but uh, <laughs> it didn't make sense. Um, but 
yeah, he's a, I don't think he's an alpha guy. And typically you want your true alphas to be edge rushers, just the position they play, the runway that they have to get to the quarterback. It's easier to make a difference there. You have less guys. You're going against air on one side. It's it's quicker. You know, I mean, a, a a really good edge is going to be a four, four and change guy. You know, a, a really good interior lineman is going to be four nine. Now your path might be shorter, but rarely are you going to be able to get there as quickly. Yeah, um, yeah Grady Jarrett's Grady very, Jarrett's very really good, and because the Falcons have fallen off, he doesn't get the attention he deserves. He gets it from the other teams because he's the only guy they've had to block. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, when he gets triple teams, says, "Damn, y'all don't have anybody else to block." No, 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 no we don't. That was one of my favorite clips from that 2021 season from the mic'd up. Keith asks, says Desmond Ritter is going to be new. Who's your best comp and what can you expect from his style of game? I can't really think of a comp except maybe a, a smoother throwing pre-injury Teddy Bridgewater was someone that 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 comes to mind. Teddy was a master at running a two-minute offense. Um, didn't have the world's strongest arm and his release was a little, you know, not, not as clean as Desmond Ritter's is. I think Desmond Ritter has probably got a little bit more of an arm, good athleticism. He was a four, five flat four, four, eight guy coming out of the combine. Um, natural leader, g- pretty good accuracy on the ball too. Um, those are some of the things that I'm looking for. And he's because he's such a good athlete, you're going to be able to put him on the move a lot and do a lot of waggles and bootlegs and stuff. Mm-hmm in order to hit guys in stride, in motion, rather than a bunch of stop, catch, and turns. So that should be a fast-moving offense with Desmond Ritter. Yeah, one other thing about Desmond Ritter, I'm looking for at OTAs and talking about that offensive scheme, and you talk about what they're using him for. I don't know if it's possible with his body type, but my guy needs to get thicker. Uh, he is coming out of Clemson or coming out of Cincinnati for his height not really proportionately built. And that makes me nervous for a team that might put him in the way of some hits uh, this season, compiling some hits. So came out another Teddy Bridgewater comp, another Teddy Bridgewater comp. I think he's got a little bit more uh, long speed than Teddy, uh, but it is a Teddy Bridgewater thing. And he comes out at uh, six, three and three eights, which is 65th percentile for the quarterback. That's good height for a quarterback, but 211 pounds at 17th percentile along. Typically the guy's, that are shorter have the right shorter will be a little bit lighter. Yeah, he's, he should be. He's around two twenty right now. I want him to get up to two twenty five, two thirty if he can, while still keeping some of that weight on. But he's got. He looks like a more narrower uh, shoulders kind of guy as well. So I don't know if that's possible. Uh, but that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on as well this season. Can he stay healthy? Because sometimes those more slender quarterbacks have had issues uh, with that. But it's a fine balance. Because um, if you get too big, you lose some of that twitch and explosiveness. So gonna be. That's one of the things I'm watching for the season. How does his body type look coming into NFL? No disrespect to Cincinnati, but the NFL strength and conditioning, and now that this is a full-time job, is a uh, a different level of commitment, time, and focus on what your body is. Uh, Roderick Cook's talking about the third-round cornerback, and as Red Swarm mentions, that's Clark Phillips the third. He looks like a steal in the fourth round. Um, I like to make the comparison between the third-round pick and Zach Harrison and Clark Phillips because they're completely opposite. Uh, third round pick Zach Harrison falls because his production wasn't there, mm-hmm. but he's got all of the tools in the world to have been a first round pick. Clark Phillips fell because he was a spectacular player, but didn't necessarily have all the tools. Maybe a little mm-hmm. short, maybe not quite as fast to 40. You know what? I like a guy like that in the fourth round, Nick. Pac-12 yeah. player of the year at defensive back. 
um, and he falls a little bit because maybe he doesn't quite fit in the right mold as far as minimum height, minimum speed, minimum this and that. Well, he's got the enough, and I think he is a pretty darn good pick, and it helps also hedge against that super high upside pick in the third who could go completely bust. Clark Phillips is going to be a good pro. It might be as a fifth defensive back. It could be as a special teams demon. But he, he's going to hang around this league for a long time, I fully believe. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch him. You mentioned it. Uh, had a lot of good plays on the ball and was a feisty player at Utah for a number of years. Uh, well, it didn't just come out of nowhere. He's been a pretty good player there for two or three seasons now, but very small, not good length, which is something that I probably would never use a top 100 pick on a substandard length player. Who was the the Auburn guy, the Auburn corner last year, and ended up having a really good year with like 29-inch arms? I want to say Roger McCreary McCreary Roger McCreary yeah and he had a good season so you can hide one guy like that you don't want a whole defensive backfield like that yeah what is it Bill Parcell said you start uh, making excuses for outliers and then soon you have a team full of outliers it's just for me it's there's enough variables that I'm looking for length and that's something I might drop him in he went early second I'd have been okay with him like you know mid third given how much he's an outlier the other guy who I absolutely loved that had terrible arm length but I thought because of the versatility brought was worth a mid third round pick was the, Oh God, he was the cornerback. The Patriots took who had like three punt returns and played like a pick six this last season, really dynamic player um, from university of Houston. Somebody in the chat can probably get me, but he's a Patriots yeah, I don't player. Remember. There was oh. speed all over the place coming out of Texas last year. I loved him. Um, I draft mocked him to the Broncos a few times um, that in the third round. And he went, I think mid third, if I'm not mistaken, but he had also terrible arm length as well. Uh, But he was a dynamic player in special teams. So coming in big, the super chat, be like Ethan. No, thank you so much. Helps keep the lights on, helps keep us, uh, keep us potting with the support for the show. Uh, A reminder that you can, the most direct way to support the show is through super chats on YouTube or Facebook stars. Just in the comment section, you might see a star and you can say give stars. Um, that is a direct contribution to what what we do, which is what Ethan just did coming in hot, hot pink with the super chat. This is great show, gents. Thank you, sir. He says he's curious what Cordero Patterson's role will be with Robinson's addition and Algiers emergence. Um, what I, I think where it backs off a little bit is I don't want to see a game where Cordero Patterson gets 15 to 20 runs out of the backfield. That usually follows with a sit on the sidelines for a game or two because he he runs the ball like he returns kicks. And if you return 15 kickoffs a game, you're going to get hurt. He's a kamikaze out there. You know, he, he didn't have the natural how to protect myself as a running back that you learn through the years playing football. I, I think his touches might go down and his effectiveness might go up. So you'll see him instead of, 15 carries for 75 yards. He might have six carries for 60 yards. He might have three catches for, for 50 yards. So I expect his touches to go down, but his efficiency and his yards per to increase. Yep. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You never know because injuries can happen and things change. Maybe he'll transition more to that wide receiver role. Maybe he'll uh, just, you know, change because of where he he's needed and what they, uh, what they could use. Uh, at on the boundary in the perimeter. Maybe he becomes a jet sweep, you know, merchant out there. But Coral Patterson is still a very fun player and a good leader to have as well. He loves this Falcons team, loves Atlanta. And you always talk about him saying, I could have gone elsewhere and got more money, but I wanted to be in Atlanta. No, so I don't no, think he he's said gonna... F the money. F the money. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. 
that's uh he'd love to see that. So his role might be different, um, but looking for more efficiency uh, from him out there as well. Keith Brugman talks about him being a good fantasy guy. I don't know. I'm a very much a volume fantasy guy and opportunity. Maybe that sun is setting a little bit for Cordell Patterson uh, being a high fantasy guy with the opportunity costs shrinking a bit, uh, but still a very good player that you love to have out there for that Falcons team. So, I mean, I just keep coming back to man. If you had like a really good three wide receiver, that was, you know, the pure burner type, like a John Brown back in the day, uh, that would be amazing for this team, but you know, no such thing as a perfect roster. I think it reminds me of, of uh major league when they're putting together because John Brown came in for a workout last year. It's like, wish we had him last year. You wish we had him three years yeah. ago. We did uh, five years ago then. <laughs> so John Brown did make the rounds kind of a yeah. one trick pony um a little bit. Um, but Keith Brugman checking out that stars feature coming in. He says, great show gentlemen. Joy, listen to experts on the game like yourselves. I'm not comfortable with the term expert, but you know, like I said, we'll call it like we see it. Give you uh, give you an honest take, and I don't think either one of us are overly homer. It's hard to be a homer growing up in Atlanta. Um, you're just cynical, especially when you're if you're a Gen X Atlanta sports fan, you've been kicked in the nards a few times. So <laughs> I think the two worst ones for me: '96 Game Four, six zero. Mark Wollers to Jim Laritz, Yankees World Series. And then obviously Falcons fans don't even need to talk about the worst one. It's 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 the same for all of us. Um, let's hit on this before we get out of here real quick. Um, the projected NFL draft order from ESPN. What's interesting is who's not in it for you know much of our audience, Broncos and Falcons fans. Neither team are in the projected top 10. Uh, I'll drop this in the chat as I like to do if you want to check it out here. Um, but the projected top 10 from ESPN is, is whew, how about that trade, Nick? Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals at one and two. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at three. Indianapolis Colts at four. LA Rams at five. Tennessee Titans at six. Packers at seven. Commanders at eight. Raiders at nine and Chicago Bears. It says via the Carolina Panthers. So maybe the, the, the Bears are ahead and they're picking the Panthers at 10. That's what uh, as far as record goes. Um, despite all the hemming and hawing of how can you win? How can you be an eight and a half win team with Desmond Ritter as your quarterback? Well, the odds makers like the Falcons at least winning eight games. I like the Falcons winning eight games with their schedule. <laughs> that's that's for sure. That's part of it, sure. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a that's a part of it. So yeah, I uh, definitely criticized the uh, Will Anderson trade at the time it happened, uh, just because if you're giving up your first round pick to Arizona and your team is still a, looks like a year away, not very good first year coach, I'd be pretty concerned about that. I mean, imagine if Houston does end up getting one and two pick and then trades number two that ends up being Drake may for an unbelievable amount of picks. And then they trade Kyler Murray too. I mean, they could own the draft for the next three years uh, overall. So obviously very much hypotheticals there, but that was always a little bit of risk. Will Anderson needs to be, if that ends up being the number two overall pick that he needs to be a hall of famer for it to be worth it in the end. Uh, so will be uh, interesting to follow curious about some of those other teams there, but yeah, the Cardinals just look absolutely dreadful. And then Tampa Bay pretty low as well is uh, interesting to note. I don't, love their makeup right now but that low i'm a little bit surprising if you're the cardinals you figure 
if you move on from Murray, if you with one of those picks, I'll keep our. Let's say I get the the one and two. Well, I'll take my quarterback with number one, and then I'm going to get a just absolute freaking haul mm-hmm. for the second pick. Yep. My goodness. I mean, Will Anderson better be the second coming of Lawrence Taylor for what that that pick, if it's the number two pick, ends up going for. Oh goodness. And I, I would almost rather have what they can get for that pick. If I've got two picks, if I've got one and two, I would almost rather rather have what they can get for that pick than any player in the draft. You give me three first rounders, a couple more extras, and then like another starting caliber player. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have that than anybody I could draft, even if I needed a quarterback, for goodness sakes. Talk about rebuilding a team. Yeah. Whoa, what a trade for the Cardinals. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe the Houston Texans end up figuring out the season and C.J. Stroud is a revelation and they'd really turn around. But, like, that was really risky. And I can't believe if I was Houston, and maybe this was the difference in the trade, but, like, I would have rather sat back and waited and see if I could move up Will Anderson later than giving up my first round pick at the Houston's first round pick in 2024. Cause you also had Cleveland Browns. Like I, I, I would have been hard pressed to give up that Houston pick. Uh, yeah, but, that's what I thought it was. I was like, Oh, it yeah. must've been the later pick. Oh man. It's the top five pick. Risky. Um, it should be interesting for sure. Oh, I really don't want to do this talking about bad Atlanta sports memories. We could mm-hmm. go on and on and on and on. Um, how about the cliff Levingston baby hook shot in like 88 against the Celtics in game six. Um, it says, I don't know, Scott, Bobby Cox putting in Lee Brant relief against the twins was pretty damn bad. See, I, I didn't, don't mind that one. And Kirby Puckett put one in the seats and we'll see you tomorrow night. I think that was the call. Lonnie Smith getting deked at second off a ball that got knocked off the wall where he should have scored in a zero, zero game in game seven was worse for me. That one, that one hurt more. That one, that was a mental error and ah, meh. <laughs> so much bad on that note i think we're gonna get out of here he says great show today scott and nick on the falcons podcast well thank you i hope everybody enjoyed it i know we got fans from other teams in here uh and we can talk some other things as well so uh appreciate ethan appreciate keith coming with super chats and stars uh we will be off on monday which is memorial day so we will not be here this monday we'll be back wednesday a week from today at 9 a.m uh so everybody Have a great rest of your week. Uh, Have an outstanding holiday weekend. Remember why we're celebrating on Monday. And Nick and I will be back tomorrow morning on Mile High Huddle, so you can come check us out there if you want to join us. But until then, thanks, everybody. Hit the comments. Gary Palmer. Real quick shout-out to Gary Palmer uh, coming in with a a super chat to finish this out. So thank you, sir. And uh, that's all I got, Nick. All I got too. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Happy hump day and uh, hope everyone has a fantastic day. Remember, it can be rough out there, but choose kindness. It's really, it's every day. Yep. Thanks y'all. And uh, we'll see you again either tomorrow or next week.